Section 30 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in November 2020. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 5. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rudd section thirty decline of the moorish power in spain growth and decay of the almoravide and almohade dynasties a d ten eighty six to twelve fourteen by s a dunham part two not long after the battle yusef being called to africa by the death of a son the command of the almoravides devolved on sir ben abu Bekr, the ablest of his generals. That general advanced northward and seized some insignificant fortresses, but the advantage was but temporary and was more than counterbalanced by the disasters of the following year. The king of Saragossa, Abu Giafar, had hoped that the defeat of Zalaka would prevent the Christians from attacking him, but that of his allies, the Mahometan princes in the neighborhood, and the taking of Huesca by the king of Navarre, convinced him how fallacious was his fancied security. Seeing that no advantage whatever had accrued from his former expedition, Yusef now proclaimed the Alhiget, or Holy War, and invited all the Andalusian princes to join him. In A.D. 1088, he again disembarked at Algeciras and joined the confederates but this present demonstration of force proved as useless as the preceding it ended in nothing owing partly to the dissensions of mahometans and partly to the activity of the christians who not only rendered abortive the measures of the enemy but gained some signal advantages over them yusef was forced to retreat on almeida whether through the distrust of the Mahometan princes, who appear to have penetrated his intention of subjecting them to his empire, or through his apprehension of Alfonso, he again returned to Africa, to procure new and more considerable levies. In A.D. 1091 he landed a third time at Algeciras, not so much with the view of humbling the Christian king, as of executing the perfidious design he had so long harboured. For form's sake, indeed, he invested Toledo, but he could have entertained no expectation of reducing it, and when he perceived that the Andalusian princes refused to join him, he eagerly left that city and proceeded to secure far dearer and easier interests. He openly threw off the mask and commenced his career of spoliation. The king of Granada, Abdallah ben Balkin, was the first victim to African perfidy. In the conviction that he must be overwhelmed if resistance were offered, he left his city to welcome Yusuf. His submission was vain. He was instantly loaded with chains and with his family sent to Agmat. Timur ben Balkin, brother of Abdallah, was in the same violent manner despoiled of Malaga. Mahomet now perceived the grievous error which he had committed, and the prudent foresight of his son Al-Rasid. Did not I tell thee, said the latter mournfully, what the consequences would be, 
that we should be driven from our palace and country thou wert indeed a true prophet replied the self-accused father but what power could avert the decrees of fate it seemed as if fate had indeed resolved that this well-meaning but misguided prince should fall by his own obstinacy for though his son advised him to seek the alliance of alfonso he refused to do so until that alliance could no longer avail him he himself seemed to think that the knell of his departing greatness was about to sound and the most melancholy images were present to his fancy even in sleep one night says an arabic historian he heard in a dream his ruin predicted by one of his sons he awoke and the same verses were repeated once fortune carried thee in her car of triumph and thy name was by renown spread to the ends of the earth now the same renown conveys only thy sighs days and nights pass away and like them the enjoyments of the world thy greatness has vanished like a dream but if mahomet was superstitious if he felt that fate had doomed him and that resistance would be useless he resolved not to fall ignobly his defence was indeed heroic but it was vain even though alfonso sent him an aid of twenty thousand men his city fell one by one seville was constrained to capitulate he and his family were thrown into prison until a ship was prepared to convey them into africa whither their perfidious ally had retired some weeks before his conduct in this melancholy reverse of fortune is represented as truly great not a sigh escaped him except for the innocent companions of his misfortune especially for his son al-rasid whose virtues and talents deserved a better destiny surrounded by the best beloved of his wives by his daughters and his four surviving sons he endeavoured to console them as they wept on seeing his royal hands oppressed with fetters and still more when the ship conveyed all from the shores of spain my children and friends said the suffering monarch let us learn to support our lot with resignation in this state of being our enjoyments are but lent us to be resumed when heaven sees fit joy and sorrow pleasure and pain closely follow each other but the noble heart is above the inconstancy of fortune the royal party disembarked at ceuta and were conveyed to agmat to be confined in a fortress we are told that on their journey a compassionate poet presented the fallen king with a copy of verses deploring his misfortunes and that he rewarded the poet with thirty-six pieces of gold the only money he had left from his once exhaustless riches he had little apprehension of what was to follow that yusuf would leave him without support that his future life was to be passed in penury nay that his daughters would be compelled to earn his subsistence and their own by the labour of their hands yet even in that indigent condition says aben lebuna and through the sadness which covered their countenances there was something about them which revealed their high origin the unfortunate monarch outlived the loss of his crown and liberty about four years 
after the fall of mahomet the general of yusef had little difficulty in subduing the princes of andalusia valencia next received the african yoke the king of saragossa was more fortunate he sent ambassadors to yusef bearing rich presents and proposing an alliance with a common league against the christians my dominions said abu giafar are the only barrier between thee and the christian princes hitherto my predecessors and myself have withstood all their efforts with thy succour i shall fear them still less yusef accepted the proposal a treaty of alliance was made and the army of abu giafar was reinforced by a considerable body of amoravides anohegire four hundred eighty six with whom he repelled an invasion of sancho king of aragon a third division of the africans which marched to destroy the sovereignty of algarve and badajoz was no less successful badajoz capitulated but in violation of the treaty the dethroned omar with two of his sons was surrounded and assassinated by a body of cavalry as he was unsuspiciously journeying from the scene of his past prosperity in search of another asylum a third son was placed in close confinement thus ended the petty kingdoms of andalusia after a stormy existence of about sixty years for some years after the usurpation of yusef peace appears to have existed in spain between the mahometans and the christians fearing a new eruption of africans alfonso contented himself with fortifying toledo and yusef felt little inclination to renew the war with one whose prowess he had so fatally experienced but christian spain was at one moment near the brink of ruin the passion for the crusades was no less ardently felt by the spaniards than by other nations of europe thousands of the best warriors were preparing to depart for the holy land as if there were more merit in contending with the infidels in a remote region for a barren sepulchre than at home for the dearest interests of man for honour patriotism and religion fortunately for spain pope pascal the second in answer to the representations of alfonso declared that the proper post of any spaniard was at home and there were his true enemies soon afterward yusef returned to morocco where he died on the third day of the moon muharram anohegire five hundred after living one hundred arabian or about ninety-seven christian years in anohegire five hundred fourteen the empire of the almoravides was tottering to its fall it had never been agreeable to the mahometans of spain whose manners from their intercourse with a civilized people were comparatively refined the sheikhs of lamtuna were so many insupportable tyrants the jews the universal agents for the collection of the revenues were here as in poland the most pitiless extortioners every savage from the desert looked with contempt on the milder inhabitant of the peninsula the domination of these strangers was indeed so odious that except for the divisions between alfonso and his ambitious queen donna uraca who was sovereign in her own right all andalusia might speedily have been subjected to christian rule 
Alfonso, the king of Aragon, fell at the siege of Fraga about A.D. 1109, but the Almoravides met an equally valiant foe in his son and successor, Alfonso Raymond, king of Leon and Castile. After a period of about forty years, during which the Christians were steadily increasing their dominions, Coria and Mora and other Mahometan strongholds were acquired by Alfonso, now styled the Emperor, and almost every contest between the two natural enemies had turned to the advantage of the Christians. So long, indeed, as the Walis were eager only to preserve or to extend their authority, independent of each other and of every superior, this success need not surprise us. We may rather be surprised that the Mahometans were allowed to retain any footing in the peninsula. Probably they would at this time have been driven from it, but for the seasonable arrival of the victorious Almohades. Both Christians and Africans now contended for the superiority. While the troops of Alfonso reduced Baeza, and with a Mahometan ally even Cordova, Malaga and Seville acknowledged Abu Amran, Calatrava and Almeria next fell to the Christian emperor, about the same time that Lisbon and the neighboring towns received Don Enrique, the new sovereign of Portugal. Most of these conquests, however, were subsequently recovered by the Almohades. Being reinforced by a new army from Africa, the latter pursued their successes with greater vigor. They reduced Cordova, which was held by an ally of Alfonso, defeated and forever paralyzed the expiring efforts of the Almoravides, and proclaimed their emperor Abdelmumen as sovereign of all Mahometan Spain. Notwithstanding the destructive wars which had prevailed for nearly a century, neither Moors nor Christians had acquired much advantage by them. From the reduction of Saragossa to the present time, the victory indeed had generally declared for the Christians, but their conquests, with the exception of Lisbon and a few fortresses in central Spain, were lost almost as soon as gained, and the same fate attended the equally transient successes of the Mahometans. The reasons why the former did not permanently extend their territories were their internal dissensions, while Leon was at war with Castile, or Castile with Leon, or either with Aragon, we need not wonder that the united Almoravides, or their successors the Almohades, should sometimes triumph. But those triumphs were sure to be followed by reverses whenever not all but any one of the Christian states was at liberty to assail its natural enemy. The Christians, when at peace among themselves, were always too many for their Mahometan neighbours, even when the latter were aided by the whole power of Western Africa. In Anno Hegire 572, about A.D. 1179, the King of Castile reduced Caenza, and the Moors were defeated before Toledo. The following year the Portuguese were no less successful before Abrantes, which the Africans had besieged. These disasters roused the wrath of Yusef Abu Yagur, son and successor of Abdul Mumen, who died Anno Hegire 558, Anno Domini 1165. But as an obscure rebellion required his presence at that time in Mauritania, 
he did not land in Spain until Anohagire 580. He marched without delay against Santarem, which his soldiers had vainly besieged some years before. Wishing to divide the Portuguese force, he one night sent an order to his son Sid Abu Isaac, who lay encamped near him, to march with the Andalusian cavalry on Lisbon. The officer who carried the order instead of Lisbon named Seville, the whole Moslem army was sure that some disaster was impending, and that the siege was to be raised. Before morning the camp was deserted, the guard alone of Yusuf remained. While he dispatched orders to recall the alarmed fugitives, the Christians, who were soon aware of the retreat, issued from the walls, surrounded and massacred the guard. Yusuf defended himself like a hero. Six of the advancing assailants he laid low, before the same fate was inflicted on himself. The merciless carnage of the Christians spared not even his female attendants. At this moment two companies of cavalry arrived, and, finding their monarch dying, furiously charged the Christians, whom they soon put to flight. In a few hours the whole army returned, and, inspired with the same hope of vengeance, they stormed and took the place, and put every living creature to the sword. Jakub ben Yusef, from his victories afterward named Almansor, who was then in Spain, was immediately declared successor to his father. For some years he was not personally opposed to the Christians, though his valleys carried on a desultory, indecisive war. He was long detained in Africa, first in quelling some domestic commotions, and afterward by severe illness. He was scarcely recovered when the intelligence that the Christians were making insulting eruptions to the very outworks of Algeciras made him resolve on punishing their audacity. His preparations were of the most formidable description. In Anohegire 591 he landed in Andalusia and proceeded toward Valencia, where the Christian army then lay. There Alfonso VIII, King of Castile, was awaiting the expected reinforcements from his allies, the kings of Leon and Navarre. Both armies pitched their tents on the plains of Alarcón. The following day the Christians commenced the attack, and with so much impetuosity that the centre was soon broken. But an Andalusian chief conducted a strong body of his men against Alfonso, who, with the reserve, occupied the hill above the plain. While the struggle was in all its fury, Jakub and his division took the Christians in flank. The result was fatal to the Castilian army, which, discouraged at what it considered a new enemy, gave way in every direction. Alfonso, preferring an honourable death to the shame of defeat, prepared to plunge into the heart of the Mahometan squadrons, when his nobles surrounded him and forced him from the field. His loss must have been immense, amounting probably to twenty thousand men. With a generosity very rare in a Mahometan, and still more in an African, Jacob restored his prisoners to liberty, an action for which, we are informed, he received few thanks from his followers. Alfonso retreated to Toledo just as the King of Leon arrived with the promised reinforcement. After his signal victory, Jacob repeatedly reduced Calatrava, Guadalajara, 
Madrid and Esalona, Salamanca, etc. Toledo, too, he invested, but in vain. He returned to Africa, caused his son Mahomet to be declared Wali al-Hadi, and died, the twenty-second day of the moon Regeb, Anohegire 595, May 19, 1199. He left behind him the character of an able, a valiant, a liberal, a just, and even magnanimous prince, one of who laboured more for the real welfare of his people than any other potentate of his age. He was, beyond doubt, the greatest and best of the Almohades. The character of Mahomet Abu Abdallah, surnamed Al-Nasir, was very different from that of his great father. Absorbed in effeminate pleasures, he paid little attention to the internal administration of his empire or to the welfare of his people. Yet he was not insensible to martial fame, and he accordingly showed no indisposition to forsake his harem for the field. After quelling two inconsiderable rebellions, he prepared to punish the audacity of Alfonso of Castile, who made destructive inroads into Andalusia. Much as the world had been astounded at the preparations of his grandfather Yusef, they were not surpassed by his own, if, as we are credibly informed, one alone of the five divisions of his army amounted to one hundred and sixty thousand men. It is certain that a year was required for the assembling of this vast armament, that two months were necessary to convey it across the straits, and that all Christian Europe was filled with alarm at its disembarkation. Innocent III proclaimed the crusade to Spain, and Rodrigo of Toledo, the celebrated historian, accompanied by several prelates, went from one court to another to rouse the Christian princes while the kings of Aragon and Navarre promised to unite their forces with their brother of Castile to repel the common danger, great numbers of volunteers from Portugal and southern France hastened to the general rendezvous at Toledo. The Pope ordered fasting, prayers and processions to be made, to propitiate the favour of heaven, and to avert from Christendom the greatest danger that had threatened it since the days of the Emir Abderrahman. Mahomet opened the campaign of Anohagire 608 by the siege of Salvatierra, a strong but not important fortress of Estremadura, defended by the knights of Calatrava. That he should waste his forces on objects so incommensurate with their extent proves how little he was qualified to wield them. The place stood out for several months, and did not surrender until the emperor had sustained a heavy loss nor until the season was too far advanced to permit any advantage to be derived from this partial success. By suspending the execution of his great design until the following season, he allowed Alfonso time to prepare for the contest. The following June, the kings of Leon and Castile having assembled at Toledo, and been joined by a considerable number of foreign volunteers, the Christian army advanced towards the south that of the infidels lay in the neighbourhood of Baeza and extended to the Sierra Morena. On July 12th, Anohegire 608, the crusaders reached a mountainous chain which divides New Castile from Andalusia. 
they found not only the passes but the summits of the mountains occupied by the almohades to force a passage was impossible and they even deliberated on retreating so as to draw out if possible the enemy from positions so formidable when a shepherd entered the camp of alfonso and proposed to conduct the christian army by a path unknown to both armies to the summit of this elevated chain by a path too which would be invisible to the enemy's outposts a few companies having accompanied the man and found him equally faithful and well informed the whole army silently ascended and entrenched themselves on the summit the level of which was extensive enough to contain them all below appeared the widespread tents of the moslems whose surprise was great on perceiving the heights thus occupied by the crusaders for two days the latter whose fatigues had been harassing kept their position but on the third day they descended into the plains of tolosa which were about to be immortalized by their valor their right wing was led by the king of navarre their left by the king of aragon while alfonso took his station in the centre mahomet had drawn up his army in a similar manner but with a strong body of reserve he occupied an elevation well defended besides by vast iron chains which surrounded his impenetrable guard in one hand he held a useless scimitar in the other the koran the attack was made by the christian centre against that of the mahometans and immediately the two wings moved against those of the enemy the african centre which consisted of the one hundred and sixty thousand volunteers made a determined stand and though it was broken it soon rallied on being reinforced from the reserve at one time indeed the superiority of numbers was so great on the part of the moslems that the troops of alfonso appeared about to give way at this moment the king addressing the archbishop rodrigo who was with him said let us die here prelate and he prepared to rush amid the dense ranks of the enemy the prelate however and a castilian general retained him by the bridle of his horse representing the rashness of his purpose and advising him to reinforce his weak points by new succors accordingly those succors among which were the vassals with the pennon of the archbishop advanced to support the sinking castilians this manoeuvre decided the fortune of the day the mahometan centre after a sharp conflict was again broken this time irretrievably and a way opened to the entrenchments of the emperor seeing the success of their allies the two wings charged their opponents with double fury and triumphed likewise but the africans rallied around mahomet and presented a mass deep and formidable to the conquerors rodrigo with his brother prelate the archbishop of narbonne now incited the christians to overcome this last obstacle both intrepidly accompanied the van of the centre the struggle was terrific but short myriads of the barbarians fell the boundary was first broken down by the king of navarre the castilians and aragonese followed all opponents were massacred or fled and the victors began to ascend the eminence on which mahomet still remained seeing the total destruction or flight of his vast host the emperor sorrowfully exclaimed allah alone is just and powerful 
the devil is false and wicked scarcely had he uttered the truism when an alarab approached leading by the hand a strong but nimble mule prince of the faithful said the african how long wilt thou remain here dost thou not perceive that thy moslems flee the will of allah be done mount this mule which is fleeter than the bird of heaven or even the arrow which strikes it never yet did she fail her rider away for on thy safety depends that of us all mahomet mounted the beast while the alarab ascended the emperor's horse and both soon outstripped not only the pursuers but the fugitives the carnage of the latter was dreadful until darkness put an end to it the victors now occupied the tents of the mahometans while the two martial prelates sounded the te deum for the most splendid success which had shone on the banners of the christians since the time of charles martel the loss of the africans even according to the arabian writers who admit that the centre was wholly destroyed could not fall short of one hundred and sixty thousand men the reduction of several towns from tolosa to baeza immediately followed this glorious victory a victory in which don alfonso nobly redeemed his failure in the field of salaca and which in its immediate consequences involved the ruin of the mahometan empire in spain after an unsuccessful attempt on ubeda as the hot season was raging the allies returned to toledo satisfied that the power of mahomet was forever broken that emperor indeed did not long survive his disaster having precipitately fled to morocco he abandoned himself to licentious pleasures left the cares of government to his son or rather his ministers and died on the tenth day of the moon shafan anohegire six hundred ten a d twelve fourteen not without suspicion of poison by recent writers of spain the number of slain on the part of the africans was two hundred thousand on that of the christians twenty-five individuals only of course the whole campaign is represented as miraculous and indeed actual miracles are recorded which we have neither space nor inclination to notice end of section thirty